Morning. It's good to see you guys. Welcome to all you out there in TV land. Um, we're starting a new series this morning. I'm excited about this series. I'm excited to see what, what God uh, wants to say to us in it. Um, full disclosure, uh, typically when, when, when we start a new series, um, you know right now uh, about as well as I do where we're going to end up. Uh, <laughs> a lot of times the Lord will give us a direction and we will start this process together and he kind of shows up along the way and kind of points and kind of guides us and directs us as the weeks go on. So I'm genuinely excited to see where we go because I don't really know at this moment, but I'm confident that God has something specific to say to each one of us. Amen. Uh, the series is, is entitled Relationship Resto. Uh, I, I think the, the, the visual of this probably came into to mind because I have to admit, I, I watch, we watch a lot of HGTV at my house. Um, I love renovation shows. I, I like the, the creativity of it. I, I like um, seeing something become more than what it was. Uh, anybody, raise your hand if you're willing to admit that you like HGTV and renovation shows. Okay, so I'm not the only one. Um, it's inspiring me to, to watch and, and see somebody walk into a space and see potential, see possibilities that are not there currently, and then make those things come into a reality. Hidden potential. It's, it's amazing, and it, 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 it's, it's uh, encouraging and it's life-giving. Sometimes, if you're not familiar, I'm sure you understand the concept, even if you don't watch a lot of those shows, but they follow the same basic thing. You take a room or a house or a property that that is one thing, and you make it something else. Some of them are nice homes. They're in decent shape, and they're just, you know, they're just regular homes, and they turn them into these you know, show-stopping, amazing places that, oasises that you just never want to leave. And then some shows, they start with these absolutely disgusting, haunted murder mansions. <laughs> and they gut them, and they take them down to the studs, and they pull out all the plumbing, and they completely rebuild these and do a complete restoration to where you can't uh, recognize what it was from what it becomes. For the next several weeks, I want to invite you on a, on a similar opportunity. But instead of carpets and kitchens and floor plans, we're going to be looking at our relationships. We're going to ask Jesus to give us a kingdom vision for the connections around us. Because it all starts with vision. And so we want to give God this, this moment, these next few weeks, to speak to us about the relationships that we are in. Because it's, if, if we don't start at vision, if we don't start with, with taking stock, with looking again, with looking deeper, we're never going to get to any place different. Um, one of my favorite episodes of all time I saw, I think it was an episode of House Hunters. I don't remember exactly. Uh, they all kind of, you know, run together because they're basically the same show, just different people talking. Um, but there was this one episode. This lady was looking for a house, and she, you know, went and saw two or three different ones. And it came down to these two houses. And one, um, one she loved. She walked around it. Everything about this house she loved. And it was, I forget how much money, maybe, I don't know, $300,000, something like that. Um, except all of, the, all of the faucets and the doorknobs and, and all that in the house were brass. And she hates brass, right? And, and um, so she walks around this house and, and she, can't, she hates these brass doorknobs and, and faucets and all this stuff. And then it comes out of this other house that as she walked around it, there wasn't really anything she liked, uh, loved about the house. It was just like would work. But she, but it, she really liked the faucets because they were like a brushed bronze or whatever. 
And the real estate person that's walking her around is, is t- tells her in the, in the, over the course of the, you know, the episode, probably four different times, he, he reminds her that those are, that those are uh, you know, replaceable. And do you know, and not to mention the second house was $100,000 more than the first house. Do you know she picked the second house because she couldn't get over the faucets? She couldn't see, she literally couldn't see past them. And so she bought something, she settled for something that wasn't nearly as much a fit for what she, she wanted and what was going to meet her needs because she, didn't, she just couldn't see it. She spent more and she ended up with less because she just couldn't see past it. That's why vision is so important. That's why it's so important in all areas of our lives, but we're going to be looking at relationships, that we intentionally stop and ask the Lord to show us what we're not seeing. So that's what we're going to do for for the next uh, several weeks. Because I don't have to tell you that relationships are important. I don't have to tell you that this last year has made a major impact on your relationships. They've been shifted, they've been cut off, they've been delayed, they've been redefined. There are people that you love dearly in your life that you have never, you have not in the last year seen past their belly button. Because the only thing you've seen them on is a Zoom call, right? And it's been long enough now that we have established New normals. You know, one of one of the 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 one of the, our strengths as as people is uh, we are adaptable. We we are good at getting used to new situations, which is a, it's a good thing. It's a coping mechanism. It's 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 a skill we need to have. But it's important that we understand that because there are some things that we shouldn't let become normal. There are some things that that. Yes, they, for a time period, they may be necessary, but we have to be intentional about making sure that that doesn't become our new permanent normal because it's not supposed to be. So we want to look at our relationships, take stock, and by God's grace, as we come out of this thing, now is a perfect time to do that, to start asking the Lord to give us fresh vision for the relationships in our life. So that they can not just go back to the way they were, but they can become something better than they'd ever, they've ever been. Um, sorry, my microphone's falling off. Uh, this is vital because life is about relationships. Even though we, we tend, especially here in the States, we, we tend to live as though function is, is what life is about. It's so easy to go through life and, and spend our, our uh, Pastor Sam used to say, if you want to know what someone's priorities are, what? Look at their pocketbook and their calendar. And if we look at that in our lives, so much of the time, all of it, most of it, the, the, the lion's share of it is all pointing towards function, accomplishments, getting things done. But the reality is our life's are primarily about relationships. The, the quality of your relationships will determine the quality of your life more than anything else. Every part of you is affected by the quality of your relationships. There's been just, you can't count the number of studies that have been done in every area of, of life about the effect of relationships have on your life. And it's all the same thing. They all come back the same way. Your happiness, your success in, 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 on the workplace, your ability to earn money, your ability to, le- to learn, your, your physical health, all of these things are directly connected to the quality of your relationships. And it especially affects your spiritual health. We say it so much, it's become cliche, but, but it is still true. It's not a rela- religion, it's a relationship. It is. There are, and there are two kinds of relationships in, in existence for you. Um, there's two categories. There's horizontal and vertical relationship. That's it. 
horizontal, the relationships we have with each other, and vertical, the relationships we have with our God. And they are both, they both have similarities and there are some significant differences between the two and we need to, we need to be cognizant of those. But our connection to God, we have to remember, is relational above anything else. Everything that God has shown us tells us this. The, the, his word to us, the Bible itself, is a relational text. Um, we, we can see this throughout the scripture itself. Um, the Ten Commandments. The, you know, when you think of relationship, you don't, you don't necessarily think first about the Ten Commandments. But the Ten Commandments are relational laws. The whole point of them is to help establish guidelines for healthy, godly relationships, both uh, vertically and horizontally. The first three uh, commandments deal with our, our, our vertical relationship, right? Love the Lord your God. No graven images. Don't take his name in vain. He's establishing the way that we can have proper connection, proper relationship with him. And then the next, the next uh, seven of them are, all, are, are there because that's what will allow us to relate to each other in meaningful ways. It's not just because he, he likes to control people and so he, he made rules to just be able to make us do what he wants. He, he gave us the Ten Commandments. He gave us the law so that we could have relationship. In fact, it, it, it's fascinating. The, the, the Ten Commandments, the Matter of fact, the whole book of Deuteronomy um, is, is a relational treaty. Back, way, way back in the day, um, the nations around that, that area, it was, you know, they're always at war with each other. And when, when one nation would conquer another nation, when, when the war was over, the, the treaty... Just like, kind of like today, you would, you would create a, a treaty between the two, the two parties, the conquered party and, and the victorious party, right? And, and the, the treaty, we call them now, we call them suzerain vassal treaties. And it was, it was a form. It was, there was a certain standard form to it. It started with, with an enunciation of the victorious uh, nation and who they were and their accomplishments, and then the next section would be about the expectations of the conquered um, people. And then the next section would be about the, the kind of the, the outcomes, right? The blessings and the cursings if, if, that, if the, the conquered nation would, would... If you do these things, these good things will happen to you. If you don't do these things, these bad things will happen to you. That is the book of Deuteronomy. That's the outline for it. And then the whole thing was sealed by a ceremony where they would cut a bull in half and the two parties would walk between the pieces and it was a symbol and it symbolized, hey, if, I, if either one of us break this treaty, let what happened to the bull happen to me. That's how they sealed it. They called it cutting covenant. That's why we talk about having a covenant with the Lord. It's a relationship that God established with us. But here's, here's the crazy thing. Um, here's the amazing thing. If you compare this treaty that God created with the nation of Israel and by extension us, with the treaties of the day, all the rest of them, there's a couple of really significant differences. First is the length of the conditions. God gives 10. Typically there was like 50. And then there's the blessings and the cursings. Typically, you know, it, it, when a, one nation conquers another nation, you can imagine which way those go, right? Here's a couple of good things that will happen to you. <laughs> if you. If you do everything I tell you to, if you don't, a whole lot of bad, right? It was, it was 10 to 1. Um, but the, the covenant, the treaty that God creates, it's the opposite. It's the opposite. Do you, do you, there's a verse in there where he talks about how the, the, consequences, um, the consequences of sin would go on for the, the third and fourth generation. 
But then he says that the, the blessings, he says, if you do these things, I, you will be blessed to the hundredth generation. He flips it. He shows, so to the, to the, the nation of Israel, and understand, you got to remember, whenever we read scripture, we, we have to take the meaning that was meant to the people it was actually written to, right? Because Deuteronomy was not written for you first. Sorry. It was written for Israel. Um, so when, when, when the people of Israel would have seen this treaty, they would have seen it as the most generous, the most loving, the, most, the best deal that any nation had ever gotten in the history of conquerdom. That's the relationship that God sets up with us. That's not in my notes. I don't know how we ended up there. But it's important. <laughs> and, Our relationship with God, first and foremost, is that. He is God, but he is loving and generous. How we relate to God, in many ways, is different than than how we should at least relate to others. He, He is separate. That vertical relationship, there are differences. There's obvious differences than all of our horizontal relationships. It's a relationship like any other. But, but for today, I want us to look at um, what makes all relationships meaningful. You know, if we're going to cast this vision for, for, for great relationships, um, meaningful relationships, we should, it's probably a good idea to start with what makes a meaningful relationship. Every one of us has a God-given need for meaningful connection, both to God and to others. From the very beginning, this was built into your DNA. Now, I know there's introverts and extroverts and all that stuff. I'm, um, I get that. But there's no such thing as a person that doesn't, doesn't need to be meaningfully connected to other people. And from, from the beginning, this was true. And we see this in, in the creation story. From the beginning, one of the first thing, there's a, a kind of a hermeneutic principle that talks about the law of first mention. It's always significant, right? And the first thing in the Bible that God ever says isn't good is what? Man was alone, right? It says he created man, but he saw that there was no suitable helpmate for him, and it was not good. And then after he creates woman, he puts them together, then we get the first mention of very good. These are sometimes things, these are, these are some words I feel like lose a lot in translation, right? Like, God creates the world and it was good. Right? I, I think we lost something there. This is, and, but when he creates relationship, when he creates the concept of relationship, it's the only thing in creation that he names very good. Why? Because it is so important. It was so central to the purpose of creation. There's a reason the, the author of Genesis chose to include this part of the story. It was the only thing that he highlights as a, as a problem that God fixes because he wanted to draw it out. He wanted us to understand that, hey, this is, this is it. He's, it's like kind of Old, Old Testament highlighting. He's like, hey, look at this. This is, this is it. This is what it's about. It's about connection. It's about knowing each other. It was foundational to our existence. So how do we, how do we constitute how do, we, how do we dive into meaningful relationships? Well, if you strip everything else away, there's kind of two driving desires, I think, that, that, that we see in Scripture and that, that we experience in our lives that cultivate meaningful connection. This is true with us and God, and it's true with us and each other. And that's simply this, to know and to be known. To know somebody and to be known by them. Meaningful, life-giving relationships happen when we know the other person. It's how we build trust. It's how we find commonality with each other. I know this about you, and it's similar to me, and we can find connection over that, right? I, I come to know, you know, know that you're dependable in this area, so I can trust you, and, and now I, I feel more, more safe with you and connected to you. 
When we truly know someone, we don't just know about them. We develop the ability to anticipate what they will do in the future. Right? And that, for us, is, is, is a, a, a very... Uh, that, helps, that helps us feel like we belong. If I can anticipate... And you know this in your close relationships. There are people in your life that... And it can be a bad thing if we, if we take it too extreme. There are people in your life that you can have conversations with without them, right? You, you know, something happens, you, you find something out, and, you know, or you, you get a call from so-and-so, and you're going to tell your husband or your wife or whatever, and, you know, you tell them, but you don't really feel like, you're telling them just so they know, not because you need to know what they're going to say, because you already know what they're going to say, right? Because you know them so well. This develops connection within us. But I think for, for most of us, and it's, it's, I think we under, we don't, we miss this sometimes, that the depth of any relationship actually, while that's important, our connection to someone actually has more to do with being known even than how well we know the other person. And it sounds, at first, maybe a little counterintuitive, but I think it's true. And this is where sin has such a crippling effect on our lives. Just think back to the garden. God creates man and says, it's not good. And then he creates woman and he says, it's very good, like we talked about. And then it says this. It says, um, they were naked and unashamed. See, they knew each other. Completely. It says, they walked with God in the cool of the evening. They were completely open with God. But then if we pick the story up in, in Genesis chapter 3, we, we see the, what happens when sin entered the world as it pertains to us knowing each other and knowing God. In verse 7 it says, at that moment, so they just bit the apple, right? Um, at that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord, the Lord God, walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid because I was afraid because I was naked. We see the immediate and primary effect of sin in this story. They sin and immediately their reaction is to hide. They hide first from each other. This God brought together ordained relationship is now, now because of sin. There's now separation there. They felt shame and hid with leaves. They were hiding, even, God wasn't even, God wasn't in the garden yet. They were hiding from each other now. There, were, there was a need to conceal and protect from this person, from the, this, this connection that God created to be completely safe. And then they hid from God. This is what, this is what sin does. It breaks, you know, we talk about we're all broken people. We are. And I think that probably the most significant break we have is in our ability to connect, our ability to relate to each other and to God. See, we, you and I still suffer from that same broken reflex. We are hiders. There's something comforting about being concealed. To hide, even though, even though our deepest need is to be known. It's, it's in being known that we find fulfillment. It's in being known that, that we, we, we feel satisfied in a way that nothing else can. To truly be known for who we really are and loved and accepted for it. This is, this is at, at our core our heart's desire. But because of our brokenness, because of sin, tragically, we, we, we don't. We don't know how to do that. So we hide. 
And then we try to create other ways of connecting through that brokenness. And that's how we end up with just, you know, the sea of bad ideas and, and broken relationships and, and sexual brokenness that we see around us. It's, it's us trying to connect without being vulnerable, without having to come out of our hiding spots. Being known is the primary way we feel connected and accepted to each other. Did you know that listening to someone talk about themselves, or uh, listening to someone talk is a much more effective way for them to feel connected to you than you telling them about yourself? They will trust you more. And here's an interesting part. So if I'm having a conversation with somebody and we talk for, for a half an hour and the whole, and you know, 25%, 25 minutes of that 30 minutes, they're sharing with me. When we walk away, that person is going to feel like they know me even more than I feel like I know them. Because there is something within us that feels connected to people that we are able to show ourselves to. Because let's be honest, we're all kind of narcissists and that's what we really care about. (laughs) We care about being known more than knowing the other person. Typically when we, if we're honest, a lot of the knowing that we're interested in is either, is selfish in some way. Either we want to know more about you to figure out how you fit into my world or I want to know more about you so I know how you can help me in my world. Or I want to know more about you to decide if I even want you to be in my world. <laughs> Consider the relationship between a counselor or a therapist and, and their patient. The patient develops a deep trust and connection to the counselor, even though the relationship is disproportionately focused on them. One is do it, the one who is doing all the sharing is the one who develops the deep trust and connection. This, is a, a, this especially applies, obviously, in our horizontal relationships, but in our relationship to God. The idea that God knows you, I'm sure, is a, is a familiar idea. It's kind of all over the Bible. Right? We see this over and over. John 10.27 says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. 1 Corinthians 13 says, Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as I am completely known. God knows you completely. He knows everything about you. He knows everything you've said, everything you've thought, everything you've done, everything you thought about thinking or doing, everything you want, everything you hate. He knows it all. Theologian J.J. Packer says, says this, what, what matters supremely, therefore, is not in the last analysis the fact that I know God, but the larger fact which underlies it, the fact that he knows me. I am graven on the palms of his hands, and I am never out of his mind. All my knowledge of him depends on his sustained initiative in knowing me. I know him because he first knew me and continues to know me. He knows me as a friend, one who loves me, and there is no moment when his eye is off me or his attention is distracted from me, and no moment, therefore, when his care falters. That is amazing. And I especially, he referenced in there this, this verse. I think it's, it's such a beautiful picture. Um, Isaiah chapter 49. I know I'm jumping around, but it's okay. Uh, 49 verse 14 says, this is uh, the prophet Israel is, is talking about Israel, you know, and they're one of their funky, I don't want to follow Jesus moments. And um, he's kind of prophesying what, what's going to happen. He says, uh, verse 14, yet Jerusalem says, the Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. And here's, his, here's the response. He says, 
verse 15. Never. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. This is the Lord talking. I will not forget you. See, I have written your name on the palm of my hands. Always in my mind is a picture of Jerusalem's walls in, in ruins. That phrase, writing on the palm of your hand, it's significant in, it was significant in their culture. It wasn't, just a, it wasn't just a memo like we do when we don't have our phone or a post-it note nearby. Right? You just, oh, you need eggs. <laughs> so you write it on your hand. That's not what this is, this is referring to. In, in ancient Mesopotamia, it was actually common practice for masters to either tattoo or brand their servants with their name on their right hand. Right hand. It was, it was a mark of ownership. Um, and it was for the benefit of, obviously, the master. So no one could steal their slaves or, or the slaves couldn't just run away. They knew where to, where to take them back to. But in this story, God completely flips that on its head to express just how much passion he has for you. In his version, the king gets tattooed. The king gets branded with your name. It's a, it's a, it's a complete 180 from the way the world does it because that's the way the kingdom of God works. He gets your name tattooed on his hand so that he doesn't forget you because the onus is on him to maintain the relationship. You know, if we jump back to the, to the, to the treaty God made with us, the covenant God made with us um, in Exodus, there's something amazing happens at the end of that. Remember we were talking about all the stuff and they sealed it with the, 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 the gross cutting of the, the bull and the walking through. Well, when, when God goes to seal that covenant with us, he does something again. He flips what, what the current culture is doing on its head and he's the only one that passed through the bulls. Signifying that either if either fails to, to, to live up to this covenant, let it happen to me. And that's what we see on the cross. If we jump ahead, Jesus being that, you know, we call him the lamb for a reason. Being the one that, that, that gets split because the covenant was broken, even though it was us doing the breaking. See, from the beginning, he knew. And when he made the deal with us, he knew, you guys are never going to live up to this. But I'm going to take it on anyway. And so he doesn't, even, he doesn't even bother with the pretense of us walking through the, the, the bull with him. He says, just, I got this. And because of that, he, he knows us. We know a lot of that. It's, it, God knows us, and that's well documented. So why is it then that so many of us so often struggle with seeing the power of that reality bear out in our lives. We know that God loves us. We've read the scriptures, we, you know, but we, we still, there are times where maybe, if you're anything like me, there are times where you just don't feel connected at all. You don't, you don't understand, you, you believe that he knows you, but it feels like, he feels like a, a stranger. Right, We're still weighed down by shame. We're, our, our prayer lives are, are still bland. feels like we're, we're just kind of praying to a wall. Our, our, our time in the Word, we do it because we, we, when we get to it because we have to or we, we know we should. But there's not a, a connection there. Why, why is there a separation there? I'd like to suggest that one reason that this, this happens, I think, is although God knows you, there are ways in which you're still hiding from him. God knows you because he's God, right? That's different 
That's a different kind of relationship than all the other ones we, we have, right? For, for any of us, all our horizontal relationships, if someone's going to know you, um, you, you, you have to let them know you, right? But God, God just knows us. But for you and I to experience that connection, we have to treat it like a horizontal relationship. We have to choose to show ourselves to him. If you don't, it doesn't mean he knows you any less. You just won't be experiencing the benefits and the connection of that knowledge. It's in the act of sharing of choosing to reveal ourselves to someone, that that connection happens. Them just having the information isn't enough. Have you ever, have you ever run into someone or met someone at a party or, or something? Maybe it's a, a spouse's coworker or a friend of a friend, and you, know, you introduce each other, and, and it's maybe a, a close friend of a close friend, and, and within a few minutes of just like kind of you know, having exchanging pleasantries. They'll bring something up and that's kind of personal to you. Anybody had this happen to me? Oh, I heard, I heard you're going through this. And it, it, that is not a comfortable feeling. Has anybody had that? You're just like, oh, wait, why do you know that? I didn't. I, it's not comfortable because we, we didn't share that with them. It was, it was, now it's coming at us from outside of what we gave away. And it, and it kicks in our, our, our hiding reflex, I think. <laughs> we just, oh, I don't like that. I don't like, we don't like the idea that, that of being known outside of what we're being willing to reveal. The same is, is true in our relationship with Jesus. If, we want that, if you want that connection, if you're struggling with that connection, I, I would suggest to you that, that there, there are areas in your life where you maybe are still hiding. You're not... You're not sharing those with God. I'll invite the worship team to come up. We're going to close in just a minute. Um, and sometimes this is a, a, a sometimes there's there's a struggle. We we maybe know or we 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 don't share because we're embarrassed or there's shame attached or guilt or something. That's, that's one reason. Sometimes, sometimes there's just a, a flaw in our, in our thinking that, 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 that there are things that, that God doesn't want, doesn't care for us to tell him. God wants you to share with him everything. Everything. Every part of you. Because it's in, it's in sharing that that in itself is an act of faith. It's one thing to just know, like, oh, God knows, you know, just kind of fall back on that, like, well, God knows everything, and that's cool. No, there's a big difference between him knowing and you giving it to him. Both good and bad. This isn't just about our sin. This is about our whole lives. You know, we had, um, we did a, a fast um, with a devotional guide a bit ago, and um, one of the exercises that we did um, I, I put in there was a couple, a number of the different days. There was just a, it kind of opened with this exercise of just spend five minutes talking to God as if he was just a very close friend about your last 24 hours. Tell him about what happened and how you felt about what happened. Just as if you, your best friend that you completely trust was just sitting there having a cup of coffee with you. And I have to tell you that of all the things in that, in that guide, um, Almost probably double the number of, of comments I got about that particular exercise was twice what anybody said about anything else during that entire fast event. Because I think sometimes we we devalue or we underappreciate the power of simply sharing our lives with God. Jesus is inviting you today to come and start sharing more of yourself with him. In this moment, in this week, 
to spend time out of faith and, and love to say, God, I, here, here's my life, God. Here's the good, here's the bad, here's the ugly. That he, he cares enough that he wants to hear the things, even that the things that, that you don't necessarily need an, need an answer or something for him to do, you just want to share it with him. And the things that we need him to do. And the things that we don't think we need him to do, that we do need him to do, we just don't know it because we never took it to him. There's a lot of those, by the way, where you think you have the answer in a certain situation. And if you had had the cup of coffee with Jesus, he'd have been like, yeah, that's not going to work well. So I'm inviting us all as we start this, this time of kind of restoring and looking at our relationships, to start with the one that matters the most, your relationship with your Savior. Would you, would you commit today, this week, to spend intentional time sharing with him maybe, maybe parts that you've not, you, you've not shared before, you know? Con- confession of sin, maybe that's, that's hard for you and, and you, don't, you don't intentionally do it very, very specifically or very often. To just be honest with him about the, the, when your, your, your junk. You know, sharing some of your deep desires of your heart. You know, it's there's nothing wrong with sharing those desires, even outside of like, you know, I think when we talk about our desires, sometimes we get so caught up in this like, well, should I ask for it? Should I not ask for it? Well, he's not a genie. I mean, do that with your friends. I only tell them the things I want from them. No. We share what's in our hearts. Man, I love this thing. You know, you know. I was talking to someone the other day about this really cool car. I was not asking them to buy me the car. (laughs) I was just sharing that I thought it was cool. Being honest about hurts we're still dealing with. Some of us need to learn to show show God the the good stuff in our lives. Sometimes our, our, our perspective on prayer and spending time with God is so heavy because when we think about it, we only think of the, the, the uh, talk about our, our breaks and our breakups and our owies and our sin. and our, That's all important. But there's this whole other, hopefully this whole other part of your life full of joy and relationships and successes. God, God wants to connect to you with you on those those things as well to thank him and enjoy what's great in your life to show appreciation for 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 the joy and and people in your life this week i challenge you to spend some time every day sharing yourself with jesus telling him things you've you've never shared before there's no wrong way to do it and if, if if this isn't a regular part of your your connection with God, it's going to maybe feel awkward at first, and that's okay. It, the more you do it, the more comfortable it'll become, and I promise you, when, when if, if you will stick to it, if you will make it a priority to spend that time, you will develop and you will learn, and eventually you'll begin to experience what it means to be in God's presence, just the two of you. And if you've not experienced that, or if it's been a while, there is no substitute in life. There's, there's, there's nothing, there, there's no substitute for the corporate gathering of worship like we are today, but, but that's a different kind of joy than just being alone with Jesus. Would you commit to, to join Together, that we would pursue Jesus in this way this week, and just as a way to as a way to to kind of commit to it, and even in this moment, just open ourselves up to God as a corporate prayer. If if you would just stand with us, we're going to sing one final song. The song's called Surrender.
And it's just exactly that. Just saying, make this our prayer, your prayer, your commitment that Jesus, I am, I'm going to give you all of myself. I'm going to show myself to you in ways that I've been hiding, in, in ways I never, I just never thought you, you cared about. God, I'm going to give you all of me. Let's just sing this together. sake of you my key I'm giving you my dreams I'm laying down my rights I'm giving up my pride for the promise of new life and I that this week as we pursue you and show you our, ourselves in new ways that you would Holy Spirit would you would you meet us in new ways God would your your peace the sense of your presence your guidance your joy would it would it be present in our lives as we we, we come to know you in new ways and let you know us in new ways experience you in new ways. God, we want, we want our relationships with you to, to ever be growing, ever be deepening. God, and as we go deeper in you, God, would you show us over these next few weeks how, do we, how we export that into the relationships around us? How do, we, how do we have more meaningful connection, more meaningful relationships, more, more significant kingdom impact on those around us? God, we thank you for, for your presence this morning. We thank you for your love. We love you back.
and everybody says, Amen. 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 Well, hey, before you go, we're so glad you guys could join us. We, have, we do have one uh, last short little um, announcement we need to, to make. Um, so, yeah, be seated if you're still in the room. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> you guys can Now for the second sermon of the day. (laughs) Oh, good. I got one applaud. Um, I'm just going to keep you for a couple of minutes, and I I apologize. It's hard probably to not make this feel weird because it's not what we normally do. But it's tell whoever you're sitting around, turn and just say, this is a good thing. Okay, it's a good thing. It's something that's been on my heart for a number of years. And it's something that's been unfolding um, with the leadership. And I, I, I was going to just try and sort of wing it, but I decided that would probably take too long. So there's a letter. I, I, I formalized a letter that encapsulates the heart of what I, I want you to hear today. And I, want you, and I do want you to hear it with, in context of the full statement. Listen to everything. Um, there may be a part of it or the general tone of it that may be a little feel abrupt or shocking, but it's, it's really not. It's really something that has been unfolding, the Lord's been doing um, among us, and, I, and I, it's just time to release it to you now. So I want you to hear it, and then um, it, it's just going to be what we live to, how, how we live it out now moving, moving forward. So here's, here's the letter. Okay. As a spiritual family, churches go through the same kind of experience and seasons that every natural family walks through. And I believe the Lord's moving our church to our church family towards a new season to embrace and enjoy together. One of the greatest thrills of Maryland's in my life has been to and continues to be that of being a part of Christian Assembly. To have come to Christian Assembly after Bible school, serve with Pastor and Sam and Paulette for many years, and then serve this congregation through generations of time has been one of the greatest privileges of our life. This year, Maryland and I will celebrate 48 years of marriage and ministry at Christian Assembly. We came here about 12 days after we got married and have been here since. Some of you have known us for the entire time. Others we've gathered along the way. But either way, we trust in some way we've been and will continue to be a benefit and encouragement and blessing to you and your family. Over the past few years, I've had a growing awareness and urgency concerning my role at Christian Assembly. Over the past three years, I've been sharing, praying, and working with our elders, and I believe this is the year for a transition in leadership. With this in mind, in mid to late June, I'll be retiring as a lead pastor at Christian Assembly. Over the same span of time, the elders have also been praying, planning, and preparing for the next lead pastor at CA. And in a few minutes, um, Elder Eric Voss is going to come, and he'll call a special members meeting at which... The elder board recommends Pastor Jeremy fill that important ministry role. Succession is vital for continuation. It reflects the strength of a church family when they can raise up, call out leaders from their own body. And it reflects our value as a church that claims to be intergenerational in ministry. Pastor Jeremy is a son of Christian Assembly. He was born here, dedicated here, taught here, raised here, prophesied over here, called to ministry here, and placed in ministry here. He has the DNA of this church, and I know that you'll be safe and blessed under his ministry. Some may be wondering, why now? Though this may feel new or abrupt in this moment, it's actually a result of years of prayer, planning, and conversation with our elder leadership. It's important for you to know that the timing of this hasn't been rushed or influenced by anything other than a desire to follow what we believe the Lord is saying and doing among us at this time. I have a strong desire, increasing desire, to release and help the next generation of ministry leaders to identify and take their place in the church that Jesus continues to build. Not only concerning Pastor Jeremy, but other men and women who are here among us who will and are carrying this ministry to their generation and moving forward. The Bible's filled with examples, instruction, and command for every generation to train, encourage, and release the next generation for the continuance of the gospel and for those successive generations to receive and run with the commission that they're being given. I'm confident today that this is the Lord's timing and direction 
not only for myself, but for this church as well. And as far as what's next, uh, my staff position will change um, to that of Pastor Emeritus. And I'll continue on staff as a full-time staff pastor. Pastor Jeremy's assured me that he has work for me to do. <laughs> so I, I have a place to go. Um, I'll, preaching, discipleship development, and pastoral care are, are the three main things that I'm going to be taking on along with some other ministry opportunities. And those are the things I enjoy doing. So I'm really just giving up the things I don't like. Finally, I want my announcement today to also be an invitation. I invite you to join Marilyn and me as we embrace this new life cycle in our church and in our family and be excited along with us. I invite you to celebrate with us that God's plan for us is always to give us a future and a hope, to rejoice that by God's grace we'll continue to be a church family that expands, that spans generations and cultures because we cherish and pursue the oneness that we have in Christ. This kind of church change shouldn't be difficult. Succession's a sign of health and God's blessing. It reaches for the future while still caring for the needs of today. Also know succession isn't something we watch happen. It's something we make happen. It's a family affair. And I don't know a better family I'd like to go through it with. God bless you. That's the letter. I'm going to ask, <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you. Sit down. I'm not going anywhere. Make sure you hear that. I'm not going anywhere. Um, where's Elder Eric Voss? There he is. He's going to come and he'll read you a statement on behalf of the elder board. You know, we're not a real formal church, and so when we have to do formal things, it just feels weird to us. So, this is, so I, my grandson's hilarious. My, gra my grandson Silas is a real active little guy, and his mom and they were a bunch of people talking. And finally, Silas turns around and goes, microphone. Wait, so Silas turns around and goes, There's so much talking. And. That's just kind of how I feel I'm going to be right now. There's so much talking, but it's important. And the other thing is, how, can you relate to this? If I'm in the living room and I have a thought, by the time I get to the kitchen, I've, I've lost my thought. By the time I get to the kitchen, I've lost my thought. So I will read this as well. Some of it will be repetitive, but it's important. Um, I'm representing the Elder Board. The Elder Board are these folks, Ry DeRazio, Dan Graves, Rob Loudon, Kevin O'Donnell, Scott Osborne, and, and me, Eric Voss. King, King David was, was described as a man after God's own heart. And in that, in that like fashion, Pastor Tory has been that man for us here at Christian Assembly. 47 years, he's been involved in every part, his head and heart, in that fellowship. He was spent years guiding young people downstairs in the youth department under Pastor Sam. But he also worked in the sound room, the worship team, developing our elementary school, Charisma Academy. He worked hand-in-hand -hand with Christian, uh, Kara's, uh, the Kara's, Charisma School of the Arts, and he helped develop our Threshold Food Pantry. And for years, he was so involved in the exaltation ministry and, and headed up the Wild Jam outreach, if you remember that. Um, at Pastor Sam's passing in 2007, Pastor Tory came on as the lead pastor here under the recommendation of the Elder Board as well. So he's been faithful in that position, and we're thankful for his faithfulness to the Lord, and we're thankful that even as he retires from that lead position, as he said, he's still got, he's still got lots He's still got lots of work to do. He's, he's not planning to leave that position to golf for the next 20 years. <laughs> and, and I've seen him golf, and that's a good thing. <laughs> you should know that Pastor Tory has, has, has always been really open and honest with the Elder Board about his intent to step away from that lead pastor role. The Elder Board has prayerfully considered each step in the process of choosing Pastor Tory's successor. We have a constitution and bylaws that we follow, it was a document created years ago and was updated in October 2019. And in that document is a structure that guides us to, to the process that we're going to follow. And, and here's, here's what those steps are. The elders shall, step number one is the elders shall meet in prayer to consider appropriate replacement. We've been doing that continually. The second step is the choice of the elders will be presented to the congregation for ratification in a special congregational meeting called specifically for that purpose. 
Step three is ratification shall be by a minimum of two-thirds of the members present at that meeting. And the last step is the newly elected pastor will be installed in a public worship service designated by the elders. So those, that's the, the four-step process that we've been working through. So in completing step one of that process, the elder board recommends that Jeremy, as you already heard from Pastor Tori, that Pastor Jeremy Glagora become the next lead pastor of Christian Assembly Church. As he just said, Jeremy's been a, been a product of this ministry and this outreach. He's been active in the various ministries of Christian Assembly all of his life, and his head and his heart are committed to this local body of believers. Jer- pastor Jeremy has shown in, that he rightly handles the word of truth and delivers the word of truth in, in a way, because truth is truth, you know Pastor Tori and Pastor Jeremy have a different way of presenting the truth. But each of them has a, their way of, of grabbing us and making it not just words. Not just words. And we are, we are excited for Pastor Jeremy to be in that position. So step two then of that process is we are calling today for a special members meeting, which will be on Sunday, April the 25th, which is two weeks from today, right after the service, in that meeting, we'll have the opportunity to vote to accept Pastor Jeremy as the new lead pastor of Christian Assembly Church. For that specific role of voting, this, is, this will sound tricky, but for that specific role of voting, you have to be an official member of Christian Assembly. Because we'd hate to see you, like, stack the deck and choose me. And that would be really, that would, then we would be in such trouble. So, so don't do that. All right, all right. So, so, so you have to be an official member of that, um, which means you had to have filled out an official membership ap- application and then been active in our church, been an active church member at least in the last six months. And we understand that with all the COVID restrictions, that, that has limited some of our physical involvement, but there are many ways to be actively involved without being actually in the building. So for your convenience, we'll have a list of the membership role so you can check to see. Uh, Please make every effort to be here in two weeks from now. You're in the mail, you're going to get a ballot. So if you're not able to be, you're not feeling comfortable coming into the service, you'll have a a place where you can record your, 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 your vote. And also we will provide in that mailing a Zoom link. Some, some of you probably are well, Overly familiar with Zoom, probably. Um, and some of you may not be, but for folks who prefer to do that, you still have a way to, to cast, your, cast your, your vote. All right? So we are, we, are, we are so thankful as an elder board to be co-worshippers with you, to be part of this local body. And we're so honored to have had Pastor Sam and then Pastor Tori and now Pastor Jeremy in that lead position. Thank you. Pastor Tori? Okay, so that was the announcement. Let, just, let me just reiterate that um, in two weeks after service, there'll be a, a special, specially called members meeting. If you're not sure if you're a member or not, as you leave today, we have people at the tables with the lists. And I'm going to tell you now, it's probably not as current as it should be or as accurate as it should be. So it's worth checking um, to be sure that we have... Um, your right information and that you are a member, um, that you have gone through the formal process of application and, and membership. If there's confusion out there, they'll take your name and write it down and we'll get back with you and try to figure out um, if it's our mistake or if you never went through the process or, or whatever. Um, so do that. I also know this because I, I tried this these past couple weeks, I've been trying to contact people personally as well. Um, especially those who were in leadership here and serve in, or have been here for a long time. And I found out something very interesting about, about y'all. Y'all make changes and don't tell us. <laughs> y'all change your emails, y'all change your phone numbers, and some of you change your addresses. And don't inform us. So we may have old information on you that make it hard for us to get in touch with you, which means you may not receive the, the member's mailing that we're going to put out um, tomorrow or Tuesday. Okay, so just stop by the counter. Um, make sure your information is accurate um, if you're a member. If, if you're just a regular attender and, and you're, you've not a, gone through the membership yet or, or still considering doing that or not, or, uh, or now's a good time to consider it, um, then w- we can talk about that process as well. Okay? So, so keep this all a matter of prayer. 
keep it a matter of excitement. I, I'm, I'm just so proud of this church. I think this is a, a wonderful thing, and it speaks so well of us, where, where we can go through a, a time of succession with, with enthusiasm and excitement and supporting one another. Um, I, I'm good. You need to understand that. I, I am fine. And, and I want to just invite you to join in, in my excitement in this watching God's hand unfold as he, as he always has among us. So let's stand. I'm going to close in prayer, and I'll let you get on with your day. Father, I do thank you, and I praise you. First of all, just because you're God. Secondly, because you're a good God. Thirdly, because everything is in your control as we surrender to you. I thank you because you bring about right moments at right times. Some we anticipate, some we enjoy, some seem perhaps um, shocking to us, some seem a little awkward, but... But, Lord, if we'll let this settle in us, we'll, we'll hear from you. And you only say one thing. And, and what you're saying to us now is that we work through as a congregation this time of succession. And that there will be blessing in it and through it and the other side of it. So, God, I, I give you this entire process. I thank you for this, these men and women. I thank you for every family that's a part of us. I thank you for families that we have not yet met that will become a part of us. I I pray your blessing follow them as they leave today and that our conversation always honor you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. See you next Sunday. the goodness of God.